Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Today we're reviewing the big corporate and market stories of the year. We're asking what kind of year it's been for the world's top companies and what the big stories are that have moved the markets. Tom Braithwaite discusses what happened in 2018 and what we can expect next year with Katie Martin. Tom, I I feel like it's been a very long year. What's been your favourite corporate story in all of the madness? I think not just because it's only happened recently, but the Carlos Ghosn detention is one of the strangest corporate stories that I can remember. Carlos Ghosn arrested in Tokyo airport. He thought he was going to meet with his colleagues at Nissan. He was planning a merger between Nissan and Renault. And since then, he's been held under suspicion of understating his compensation. Meanwhile, Nissan has been putting out stories about his lifestyle and extravagant spending on homes in Rio and Beirut. And meanwhile, both companies are sort of rudderless, really. We don't have proper leadership at either of them. There's the spectre of a sort of Franco-Japanese government spat in the background over this and Carlos Ghosn once hailed as the saviour of Nissan is now being portrayed in the Japanese media as the villain and hard to know where we go forward from here. Is it an extremely elaborate personal spat basically? Well I mean there's certainly plenty of human drama to the story He was arrested alongside Greg Kelly as longtime aide, and it appears that both of them were really lured to Tokyo by other colleagues, told that they had to be there for a particular board meeting. Greg Kelly in particular was planning to do it by phone, as he normally had, and he suddenly is told he really needs to be there in person, gets to the airport and found himself in detention So, yeah, I think it appears that the allegations are unlikely to be entirely without substance, though Carlos Ghosn denies any wrongdoing. But part of the defence is that a lot of Japanese executives have used various devices to under-report their salary to avoid looking extravagant in a country where that is really not thought to be an appropriate thing for executives to do. So there's certainly a lot of personal drama. Mm. Speaking of personal drama... Elon Musk has uh, had plenty of it this year. And it's interesting. So Tesla, the electric car company that he runs, its share price rushed higher, it's crashed lower, and it's pretty much ended more or less where it started. It's almost like we should just write the whole year off and start again. I mean, he's had issues with production, but really the big issue has been his personality. And we've seen that stamped on the company this year. What was your favourite bit? Well, the favourite bit, I suppose, was the FT exclusive that kicked all this off, where we reported that the Saudis had invested in Tesla, and Elon Musk quickly responded by saying, no, this was actually part of a grand plan for the Saudis to take it private, thereby putting an end to his quite fraught relationship with the stock market. Tesla, as you know, one of the most heavily shorted companies. And then all the regulatory backlash that came after that, the fact that, you know, he just tweeted this out as he's wont to do, but there was no 
real plan to take it private that ever transpired. He was accused of distorting markets and ended up having to come to a settlement with the SEC. Meanwhile, it's the long haul to see whether this company can ever make any money. To me, you know, it shows the power of the US equity market that Tesla lost making for so long can continue to raise money in the public markets until right now it appears to have got to the cusp of profitability. So we'll see if they can maintain that just as other car makers come up with their own electric versions, which they will all hope will be Tesla killers. Obviously, from my point of view, from markets, there is a big test coming up for Tesla in terms of whether it can make money. And we have had some early signs of that. But that's true across corporate America in particular now. So the big shock really for markets this year has been that I don't know if you know this, but they can go down as well as up. Who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knew? So the S&P 500 is having its worst year since the 2008 crisis, which was not marked by its fun times for investors. What changed everything, do you think? You know, it all changed in the summer. Until then, we were still getting the Trump tweets on a weekly, sometimes daily basis, celebrating the Dow in particular, which is his favourite <laughs> index. And then, you know, it all very suddenly... Le- and people have pointed to different things, but I don't know, what's your sort of united theory of why everything's gone wrong? If you're looking for a neat united theory, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, you're right... You know, Donald Trump spent a lot of time this year tweeting about how fantastic the Dow was and how this is all down to him. You'll note that now that the stock markets are going the other way, that's not his fault at all. Apparently, that's not how he sees the world. I guess the first kind of real reminder that we had that markets can be volatile, which they hadn't been for a long time, came in February when there are these quite fancy indices and ETF-type products in the States which are designed to pay out to holders if markets stay sanguine and subdued. And they just cracked in February. And that kind of forced a lot of selling in the markets. And it was really pretty hairy out there. And we kind of came out the other side of it and said, well, you know, that was unpleasant, but it's probably just one of those technical things, something to do with this Vixmageddon thing that people are talking about. And we kind of wrote it off and then carried on again. And then the wheels really have come off. You know, we talk about red October, but it's been sort of red November and red December as well. It's just since, you know, since the start of this quarter, it's just been pretty ugly. And people are kind of throwing ideas at the wall around what is causing this, but it's some combination of, you know, clearly interest rates are rising in the States. The Fed has just raised rates yet again, and it's showing that it's got no intention of trimming the pace at which it's going to start winding down its balance sheet. And it's difficult to argue that the way the Fed pumped stimulus into the system, which was supportive for markets, means that when it takes it out again, there can be no equivalent reaction on the other side. In addition, you look at the way that China is thinking of rebalancing its economy. It's looking for quality over quantity. You look at the trade war that Trump is successfully stirring up, particularly with China, but not not just with China, also with Europe. There's just a whole range of things that you can point to to say next year is going to be really tricky. And earnings growth is just not what it was. So... The one thing that people are certain about for markets in 2019 is that they're going to be volatile. And I don't think anyone can sensibly tell you which direction they're going to go in. But I think we are all past the point where we can be sure that markets just smoothly sail higher month after month, year after year. 
that kind of easy money is behind us, which will throw up opportunities for people who are good at taking shorts or whatever, but uh, it's going to be messy from time to time. So what does this mean for the unicorns coming back to the corporate world? And, you know, I've sort of sat in San Francisco for a couple of years waiting for these things to go public and by and large it didn't happen. And yet now suddenly Uber, Lyft, Pinterest, to name just three, are all planning apparently to go public next year. Is the market going to accept hundreds of billions of dollars of potentially overpriced tech companies? Or I don't expect you to foresee how all those individual IPOs are going to go, but it seems curious that they've waited just for the moment when things are looking hairy. Yeah, they're circling, aren't they? And They're waiting for their moment. And whichever goes first is going to set the tone for the rest. I mean, it, it seems like a sort of silly factor to base stock market performance on, but honestly, I think it's true. You know, we saw some of that in Europe this year where we had some big IPOs that everyone thought would be fantastic. You look at Funding Circle and you look at Aston Martin and they were going to be the big tickets for Europe, big tickets for the UK. And they've been flops. And it just teaches you that it is more difficult to get money into IPOs, particularly in Europe, than it used to be. And the process is somewhat different in the States. They might have an easier time. But yet there's a lot of money there for the market to absorb. These companies are going to find that they don't have such a fizzy stock market to jump into and they'll be batting away the cash from investors and from retail investors. It's going to be very testing and it will be important to see that the first one goes well. And for those companies that are more reliant on debt, Mm. we've seen the leveraged loan market in a shakier position and high yield. What is the sort of outlook there or what are investors that you talk to saying? It's definitely a point of concern. It's interesting because in Europe, the European Central Bank is going to start winding down its corporate bond buying programme and its sovereign bond buying programme. So all things being equal, you would expect that it would be in Europe where you would see the corporate bond market start to crack. Actually, what investors are saying is this has been incredibly well telegraphed. We've seen this coming for ages. We've already positioned for the ECB to get out of this market. What we're actually worried about is the US, where companies have just been gorging on debt and investors are worried about it and policymakers crucially are worried about it as well including former policymakers and it's something that Janet Yellen has pointed out as well so yes US credit is flashing some warning signs at the moment and yeah if there are companies that are loaded up on this debt that they've got in the easy times then it could definitely come back to bite them that was Tom Braithwaite companies editor talking to Katie Martin our capital markets editor we'll be back with another news feature next week In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer.